So do you guys have like a a agenda or I have an format outline. you want to follow? I have an outline. Okay. Sure. Yeah. See, producer. Nobody asked you to produce, but somehow here we are. Here we are. <laughs> to everybody's shock, Dave's going to project manage a project. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> this is going well, right? This is good. <laughs> so roughly, it's roughly speaking, I figured, you know, we'll do a little weather check-in as you do. We, I just have a, I, this is really the, my favorite bullet point. Uh, of the week i just have an entry called cheese talk i don't really know what that's supposed to be but i figured we could figure that out and i figured we should talk about how ben is like uh i don't know a bathfluencer or something mm. at this point <laughs> i think we have to and then you know we could talk about whatever we want do you do you have an intro ready i figured i was gonna wing it yeah okay. this is the this is the pilot episode this can be the intro no we'll, we'll do it. no <laughs> All right, so we are trying something new here. Welcome everybody to, uh, I keep wanting to call it weather and cheese, but it's cheese and weather, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, it's cheese and weather. Mm-hmm. Um, step one, know your own podcast uh, title. Um, this is our pilot episode. I am Dave Hicking. I am joined by the illustrious, fresh off of her earth shattering, internet breaking, Laracon EU speech, talk, magnum opus Susanna, how are you doing today <laughs> i'm great thank you oh, i've missed you honestly <laughs> no i'm good thank you Susanna and i we, we have reunited the old 20 percent time team yeah and uh we are joined in this uh on this this fabulous voyage through the choppy seas of cheese by ben holman the world-renowned bathfluencer ben how are you <laughs> i'm doing great Excellent, excellent. I had a shower that was just the right temperature today. Oh, Ben, perfect. we're going to talk about your shower. You you were on you were on. Uh, wait, what's the name of the website that you that the post appeared on? Was it uh, uh, Hacker uh, News? Hacker uh, News. I got really popular in Hacker News. That's the most attention I've wow. ever got there. Yeah, people really like to tell you when you're wrong about something on the internet. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a little nervous when Aaron said, "Hey, you're on the second page of Hacker News." Like, I I don't know if I want to be on the second page. You were you were holding out for the and, first page. Well, no, I just didn't want the attention because <laughs> Hacker News has a little bit of a reputation, I'll say, sure. of being pedantic and maybe a little negative about things. But it went really well, actually. Did you go to page one? Like, it turns out that the hackers over at Hacker News are really into shower technology, and they had some really <laughs> level-headed takes about it. So did you make it to the page one or you didn't? I did, yeah. It was you kind did. of a slow burn there, Yay. yeah. Yeah, like 160 comments about shower. About shower. Shower stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I had a hunch would that would thought? kind of resonate uh, like with other people who sit in the shower every day or stand in the shower. You do it when you want, you know? Uh, and thinking about how much their shower control sucks. And so I decided to take it really seriously and write up a little manifesto about it. And it turns out my hunch was correct. Yes, there are people like me who think the status quo is is terrible. Yeah. And we can have a better world. I think I moved the needle like a tiny smidge in the better world direction. And we thank you for it. Mm, thank you. <laughs> so Ben, you are located in Wisconsin. Uh Kohler is also located in Wisconsin. Have they reached out yeah. for any kind of branding deal, you know, maybe some sort of, you know, 
really get you up into the right. level of bath bathfluencer. Is it bathfluencer shower well, handle fluencer? I don't know. I'm open to ideas, but I thought bathfluencer was good. Bathfluencer's pretty good. Yeah. I just in the, I picture I, you, you I, got a you got like a little rubber ducky. It's a nice, it's a nice image. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that uh the movement in that direction, yeah, like my relationship with Kohler, yeah. I'm just gonna say it's progress has been limited so okay. far. Like <laughs> so, not a lot has been happening yet. They are a gigantic company. Sure. I'm sure they have the resources to do this. In fact, the kind people at Hacker News inform me that yes, they already do that. It's called a thermostatic valve. Mm. It's just not super common here. So yeah. I I wish I could say I had a great relationship with them. I wish I could say I was in like glass filled rooms with people designing the world's best shower technology. Yeah. But it hasn't happened yet. So I guess this will be it's my second early days, plea to early Kohler. Days, you know. Yeah. Like let's let's work together. I have some opinions and so does the rest of the world. Absolutely. Susanna when uh you know w- bath technology might be different over in in the UK when you when you read Ben's post did it resonate with you or did you sit here going was it one of these things where you're like why haven't the Americans figured this out because sometimes that happens um I have to be honest I looked at the pictures I didn't actually read it (laughs) 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 the pictures were really cool I mean I read the beginning I read the introduction (laughs) it looked really like you put a lot of thought into it so I had to I'm going to read it eventually I will I promise but I'm just not that into showers to be fair like shower technology I have to say I was going to ask you, because I feel like we're kind of slow, slow rolling this a little bit, assuming that people might know something about this. But let's be honest, they don't know anything about it. Right. Yeah. So I feel like we should probably talk about it. Like what could be better or what's wrong with your shower handle? And I actually was thinking we should have Zuzana like try to synthesize my argument and see how well it landed. But I think you just told me that (laughs) it didn't land that, that well. The, I'm, the, not, I'm the, sure it was a very good argument. It was just really long. Yeah. <laughs> long argument. Uh, oh, man. Well, a short manifesto, that's embarrassing. It's not a manifesto. You have to hit the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. I will read it. Now, now I feel peer pressured into reading it. I'm going to read it. But the pictures were good. I Thanks. really appreciate how you documented the manifesto. Mm-hmm. That It wasn't just words. It were pictures. And there were some graphs as well, right? Yeah. And I, I yeah. spent quite so a lot you've of put time a on lot of thought. Yeah, yeah, you've put yeah. a lot of thought into it. So I, I'm going to read it now. Well, thanks. Definitely. Well, you have a long life ahead of you. Don't rush into it. <laughs> but the long and the short of my finish. argument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to give Go it. And this is the Tell verbal me. manifesto. Sure. Sorry, Susanna. If okay. you want to like... Tune out for a bit. Just like take a little break. Go ahead. So at least in North America, your typical house has a, a shower control that will swing through about 180 degrees of movement. So if you picture a clock, it goes from like three o'clock is ice cold. Nine o'clock is pure hot. And then somewhere there's a tiny sliver of rotation that is the perfect human shower temperature. Mm-hmm. And I even took a little survey like literally had family members with a meat thermometer in the shower measuring their preferred shower temperature and even in you know my gigantic uh sample size of four people mm-hmm. in my family <laughs> we were all within like 15 or 20 degrees fahrenheit of each other so it's my preferred temperature is pretty close to the rest of my household that's yeah. what i can say and so therefore everyone right we can extrapolate from there yes yes so the idea of having 180 degrees of movement on your shower handle 
where you only need about five degrees, <laughs> where that's like the actual usable range, that's 175 degrees of waste. Like you mm. don't need the whole, like from three o'clock up to 12 o'clock, that's pretty much cold or completely cold. And that's totally mm. wasted control. And so you could have so much better fidelity in the, the control of your shower temperature. Like imagine swinging it a little bit more, like just having like you could, you could go a quarter turn and dial in just the perfect temperature. But we can't. Our typical like cheap American builder quality hardware that's in most North American homes, it's just dialed into a tiny little sliver of comfort. And that's just, it's just a shame. So that was my manifesto. That's not good enough. We need to do better than that. We need to design a better shower control. And that's why I'm looking for partnerships with Kohler. <laughs> if they're looking for a podcast to sponsor, sure. we can do like a, a bargain deal. Yeah. What about people who like cold showers? Because I assume you and your family like warm showers. What about people that like cold showers? So they do need the, you know, the whole range of temperature. Yeah, that's it. That's good feedback. Uh, so my thought about that is I just don't think you need the fidelity between like, so the minimum temperature in my house right now in February is like 45 degrees Fahrenheit. And I don't think that the difference between taking a cold shower at 45 degrees and a cold shower at 55 is that different. And so I don't think you need that level of control, that amount of fidelity in the control at those cold temperatures. Because people who are taking cold showers, they're not in there for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It's like in and out, right? So I, I don't it's know, okay. I'm not one of them. I know, right? <laughs> so for me, a shower is an important place of solitude away from my family. Like I'm an introvert. I really enjoy having a little bit of thinking time. It's so the it's idea of the taking shower a cold is the shower, best place to think. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Well, where do you think the manifesto came from? Uh, that's where you do. Yeah. <laughs> not my desk. <laughs> it's yeah. good to know that you spend your shower time wisely and, you know, you <laughs> think of very important things during your time of solitude. Solitude. Oh, so. yeah. It's the best. All right. Can I, can I pitch you on an idea, Ben? You got, oh, you got, my, you got my brain working here. So, you know... I feel like the last 10 to 15 years, there's been a revolution in how picky and really how much people care about how they brew their coffee, right? So we've got people have all kinds of ways on their electric kettles to dial in temperature precisely, right? Sometimes it's like presets. Sometimes it's literally like you got, you're like, you're putting numbers in or you're doing plusing. Like you can really dial it in. You're telling me we allow people to dial in coffee temperature to a single degree Fahrenheit, and we can't bring that same technology to the shower. Because then you could have presets, right? Hmm. Like my standing yeah. desk has presets for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Like you dial it in here, it's bend time, mm -hmm. right? Put you at number oh, one, perfect. Right? obviously, right? Yeah. It just goes right to your temperature. Yeah. It reminds me of like uh, powered seats on some cars where you just, oh, sure. like mm -hmm. you click your key fob, it sets the car, car seat to your position. Why yeah. not? We absolutely should. I do think that sure maybe electronics. <laughs> What's that? It has to exist already. It's such an obvious thing. It does. Yeah, it, it does. I, that's one of the things that I learned from Hacker News is these things do exist. But it's more entertaining if you don't know they exist and you get a little upset oh, about it. I have news for you, my friend. The fine folks at Kohler have something called... <laughs> it looks very expensive on a website that I'm sure is legit called Steam Sauna Bath. 
but it is exactly what you are thinking. It is like little digital, like shows you the temperature in Fahrenheit. You can plus up and down. You can do all kinds of stuff. Oh boy. And they're, wow. what, what are they keeping this for rich people? What's, what's the deal here? Can't bring this to the masses. I think they need some help with their marketing. They need to get themselves on some podcasts. They need a little exposure. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, the podcast is called Cheese and Weather. We have not really talked about cheese or weather. So we've not talked about you. So you asked about me. You asked sure. And what about you? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? I have a new job since we've all last spoken. Um, I used to work at Titan and now I work at Userscape which is the company that makes HelpSpot and they're behind Lara Jobs and they do the Laracon online stuff. And yeah, so I'm now a product manager, which means I'm learning all kinds of fun stuff about sales and marketing, uh, even more than I already knew before, which is great because, you know, I'm getting old and uh, you <laughs> got to keep yourself fresh as you get older, got to learn new skills. So, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity. So congrats on the new job, Dave. Thanks. I'm curious what... Like coming into project management after yeah. doing a little bit of it, but that yeah. not being like your main gig. Yeah. Uh, what has been the biggest learning curve to climb? So I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing product. I mean, my title is product manager, but it's like, because it's for a small company, it means, so I mean, today alone, I, let's see, did some planning for our sort of the, we're going to relaunch our partner program. I did some light QA because as Susanna knows, Nobody knows how to break a system like me, so I'm unofficially doing QA. And then I was, uh, you know, drafting a blog post about a new feature we did. But then I'm also like handling like sales and support. So I, I get to, in classic day fashion, I get to kind of like spread my my wings and kind of do all all kinds of stuff. Um, for me, the biggest surprise is that you know so much. So many, so much of like marketing, the whole like everything around marketing online. And Ben, you know this this deeply, I'm sure, based off of what, what you hear from from folks where you work. Oh God, it just it just I feel like I just need to take a precisely temperature controlled shower afterwards to make me feel better because it's so bad. It's so bad. It's just all like everyone. It's just like this whole big game, and it's like, well, this company will get you here and review, and you know, reviews and rankings and everything else. And it's just like I know it's the game we play, but oh god, what are we doing? You, you just feel gross. You do. playing the game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all right. So the good news is we have a, you know, we have a sort of. I want to say we're not. Yeah, we're definitely not niche. We have a uh, small. But not definitely not too small uh, customer base because we are B two B. So we're not out there trying to like do you know sign up like a million people, and I'm not watching churn rates or it's nothing like it's not like that at all because uh, the product that we spend most of our time on, HelpSpot, has been around since 2005, and it was like a downloadable product. And so we have like there are still people who run it on premise. And so we have brought it into like the modern age, you know, we can run it for you and AWS and all that kind of stuff. But like, because we have our roots in kind of like, even before web 2.0 almost like really like, like kind of like a different type of web. We're not trying, thankfully trying to do too much of the like, okay, well, you know, what can, what levers can I, can I pull to like bring in like X number of trials and then how can i like make it really hard for them to quit so they don't like we don't have to we don't do any of that stuff we don't do any of that nonsense there's no dark patterns there's you know nothing like that which is great 
but I have a lot to learn. A lot to learn. <laughs> so that's me. Uh, aside from that, what else is going on? I got COVID uh, finally. Oh, no. Yep. For the uh, first time? What was your experience like? I've never been so sick in my entire life. This is my experience. Oh. When I get sick, I typically will get sick quick. Like I will get sick kind of like hard and fast. If I get the flu, I am like death warmed over until for like 18 hours. And then magically I will start to feel better. And my wife just looks at me like I'm some alien. My immune system kicks in super fast. And so when I started to get sick, I just kind of kept waiting for that 18. I was like, okay, well, obviously after like two days, three days, I'm going to feel better. No, no, did not. Um, you know, you're just sick for a long time. I, well, I mean, I, I, so I started feeling bad on like a Monday night and I finally went to go to see the doctor on uh, Friday morning and I was wrecked. I had like super high fever, full body chills, uh, sore throat was completely raw, could barely talk. I was a freaking mess. Wow. And I, because there's so much crud going around, there was last month, especially when I got it. That I was like, oh, I think I have the flu and strep is what I thought. Mm-hmm. And they're like, surprise, you have COVID. And I was like, oh, good. Um, convince them to let me get, uh, oh, God, why can't I think of the name of the antiviral that they- Paxlovid. Thank you. Uh, convince them to let me have Paxlovid, even though I don't have any risk factors. Uh, when my wife had COVID, she has risk factors, so they gave her Paxlovid. Paxlovid was wonderful. Um, aside from the metallic aftertaste in your mouth, which is a small price to pay because I felt Basically on death's door, not really, but I felt terrible on Mm -hmm. Friday morning and by, you know, Monday afternoon, I was like, not a human, I was mostly a human being again. And so that was like a three day Mm -hmm. weekend. And I went back to work on Tuesday morning and I was like, still not feeling a hundred percent, but way better. And I just Mm -hmm. can't imagine that I would have gotten that much better that fastly without Paxlovid. So lost my sense of smell for a while, um, which is complicated because I do most of the cooking in the house. Um, you know, every, it seems, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, yeah, when I'm eating, sense of smell important right flavor right. all that stuff when you're cooking especially if you're someone like me who you know i don't really go by recipes i'm more like instinctual and mm-hmm. i'm more like how am i feeling today what am i doing when you can't smell you don't it's amazing how much of an input that is when i cook where it's like i instinctively be like yeah that's the right amount of butter and garlic and mm-hmm. this and that like there's no smell i was just like yeah this looks fine because i when i was feeling better i cooked something and my wife was very polite but basically, she's like, this has like no flavor. You know, I was like, oh, okay. She's like, a little bland, a little bland. I was like, I mean, I could barely taste anything. So I was like, I'll take your word for right. it. Um, hadn't thought about that as a, as, a, uh, as a sort of side effect of losing your smell. Even the mechanics of like, oh, that pan smells hot or right. something's wrong. Something's wrong. You don't have any exactly. of that. You have yeah. none of that. Yeah. So, unless, so uh, what I did while my, because my smell's back now, but when I didn't have smell, what I did basically was okay, these are recipes that I cook the same way every single time. You know, when I make my red sauce for, you know, when I do pasta, like I do, that's fine. I'm not going to mess that up. Like, that's okay. Anything creative beyond like the normal stuff I do all the time. No, I had to shelve that. It's like, nope, can't do it. Um, You know, really couldn't do any like steaks or anything where you're like trying to like judge doneness or anything like that because smell also because you're sm- like how hot is the pan like all these things like turns out all of the senses are important it's a good lesson don't get COVID yeah COVID I sucks think you got a particularly bad case compared got, to other people I, yeah I got hit hard the and worst I, I've heard yeah and I, I had my booster in September I think my last booster because we went on our 
world trip in October and yeah. And I wanted to make sure I got it before then, because that was my, I was, I was like, I don't want to get COVID, uh, halfway around the world. Um, but yeah, no, I got hit really hard. Yeah. I'm glad it's done now. It's oh, yeah. over. Me too. Me too. And Susanna, we, I, I until next to time, <laughs> I alluded to it, but, uh, how was, how was Laracani you? Oh, it was so cool. Yeah? Honestly, it was my first in-person Laracon and just meeting everyone. It's, I can't, ex- I, I can't explain it. Like, I, obviously I talk to people around me, like my family and my friends, but they don't get it. They don't really care. They might say they care, but they don't really care. <laughs> but then being like for two days with people who, who understand you, <laughs> I know it's silly. We are just developers, not the end of the world, but it's just, it just felt like being with your people. And it felt really good that, you know, you have so much in common and they, they're all really nice and look out for each other. And there was none of this awkwardness that, you might expect when you meet somebody for the first time because you talk to these people online for months and years and then you see them in person you just oh that's you okay i can see you in person now let's just move on we don't have to do all this small talk it was so much fun i really really enjoyed it maybe a bit too much but (laughs) it was so cool how many times did somebody tell you that they couldn't believe how tall you were not that many because surprisingly they were tall people that tall people like i think some of the Few people said they didn't expect me being that tall, but <laughs> it wasn't as many as I expected. It was the same when I went to the Titan on site. Yeah. I thought because people keep saying, "Oh, like especially men, like I'm six foot two. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right." Because <laughs> like I, <laughs> every time I go, and then I am six foot two, and I'm like half as you know half a head taller than everyone else. So who's wrong here? Like you know, I'm not going to tell you I'm six foot two. I'm not making it up. Like I don't want to be six foot two, but yeah. it happens to be the case. So often when people say oh, I'm six foot two, I'm like, yeah, okay. But we'll then see when I, I went see you, right? to, <laughs> yeah, but when I went to meet everyone Titan, I was surprised that everyone was actually quite tall. Like Dave is quite tall, Matt is tall, Andrew, Nathan, like all these people are not at all. And I felt so good that I didn't like stand out because mm. it's it's weird. Like most, I do stand out most places I go to, anyway. But so I didn't stand out. I felt like. I, I wasn't at all as Taylor was there. Taylor is tall, you yeah. know, so it was good. I really enjoyed it. I'd love to hear a bit so about your fun. talk. How did it go? And like, what, oh, what was the... So nervous, so <laughs> nervous. <laughs> um, so the talk was, the title was, You Can't Be Who You Can't See. And it was basically about the lack of role models, female role models in tech. So I started like a little bit of a backstory about me, blah, blah, blah. Um, then I, there was a quiz where I showed pictures of two women and asked people, do you know who these are? And so I, I think there's no, I'm just going to say it's like, for example, there was one, uh, Ada Lovelace. Do you know who Ada, well, obviously you don't see the picture, but if you saw a picture, first of all, would you recognize Ada Lovelace? And second of all, do you even know who Ada Lovelace is? Don't, do not Google, Ben, I can see you typing. I don't do know not, <laughs> The name sounds vaguely type. familiar, but I, I couldn't tell you who she is. Or who so she, was. she was. That's what I know about She's it. considered to be the first programmer, computer programmer. And she was uh, she was uh, born in England in the 19th century. And she's the daughter of Lord Byron, mm-hmm. which was an English poet in the 19th century. And an interesting story about her is that uh, Lord Byron was, he was a wild boy. I mean, he led a wild lifestyle. What would be these days to be considered like sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Except back then it was more like sex, drugs, and poetry because it was a poet. And when he got married to Ada's mother, Lady Byron, 
They had Ada, and then he left about a month later, so he left really shortly. And that didn't sit well with Lady Byron, obviously, so she made a vow that she would do all she could to make sure that Ada wouldn't end up anything like her father. And what that meant for her was that she would encourage Ada to learn mathematics and logic and science rather than poetry. And Ada liked it, and she was really good at it, to the point that she actually ended up working with uh, Charles Babbage, who was the father of the computer because he worked on his analytical engine. And the way she ended up working with him was that uh, there was an article written about this analytical engine in Italian, and Ada translated this article into English, and not just translated it, she added her notes. And her notes were so like on point and thorough that she, that's, it was part of her notes where there is what we consider now to be the first computer program. So when Charles Babbage read those notes, they, they ended up working together on it. So she's considered to be the first computer programmer and she was a woman and it was back in the 19th century and people hardly know about her. So that was one of the quiz, quizzes, one of, well, that was a quiz, one of the people. And the second person was um, an American religious sister, a nun called Mary Kenneth Keller. And again, I would have shown you a picture of her and people were like, no, no idea who she is. And she's actually the first woman who earned PhD in computer science in the USA. First or one of the first. So there's uh, different information. So, but she was definitely one of the first, if not the first person, mm -hmm. not just woman, person. And not only that, she also uh, contributed to the basic computing language. Mm -hmm. And so nobody knows about these people, you know, and I actually found a picture of her sitting in, I think she was working at Dar Dartmouth College. Dar what's the college in the US? Dar Dartmouth? Yeah, Dartmouth. Is okay, there. Yeah. And there was a picture of her sitting in this auditorium, herself in this nun clothing habit, and bunch of men as well. <laughs> I was like, I can so relate to that, you know, right. like her sitting in the corner and then the rest of men. So the point of me doing these little quizzes was like to show people, maybe if we knew more about people like that, like it wouldn't be such a weird thing for for women or like non-men, non-male developers to think like, oh, this could be me. Because like if you mm -hmm. don't see who you can't be, you're not even going to think about it. You're not even going to consider, oh, I could be a developer. Because if mm -hmm. you don't see anyone doing it, you know, you might think it's not for you. So that's what the talk was about. And yeah, I was so nervous. And like, for example, it was the first time ever I had this little mic attached to me, you know, the, the right. one right in front of your mouth. And... I thought, like, when we are talking like that, I've got a mic in front of me, but I don't hear myself any different. But you hear yourself differently when you've got that mic. And I mm -hmm. said something, I was like, wow, I'm so loud. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> much power. I know. I didn't expect that. And there were, like, the little uh, screens in front of you on the stage where you could see your notes. Except every time I look at my notes, the screen flickered and went black. So there must have been connection, weird connection somewhere. And that, like, threw me off a bit. But overall... I suppose it went well. People came and talked to me about it and they said good things. Mm -hmm. A few people who came to me talking about their wife or sister, like how, what can they do to get them into development, like computing development. It was really good. And then we took picture of Lara Bells on the stage. So I asked Kaneko, the host, like if he can just, you know, on the mic say, any Lara Bells, can we please come on stage? Let's take a picture. And I think, I don't actually know how many of... How many were there? I didn't count them, but we've got a little picture of us on the stage. And that's like the first picture of Lara Bells ever. And it was such a nice moment because it wasn't just the people I know. People I don't know came and took pictures, you know, people mm -hmm. I met there. And it was that's just fantastic. so nice. Yeah. yeah. And so now Lara we have Bells to do that is, every year. Lara Bells is the organization that you've created and 
help run for yeah. non-male programmers and uh, people in tech, correct? Yes, basically. Anyone who feels underrepresented due to their gender is welcome. Mm -hmm. And of course, I had questions on Twitter. Well, I'm a man. Can I join? I was like, well, if you feel you're underrepresented due to your gender, I'm like, what am I going to say? You know? Yeah. I'll leave but, that judgment up to you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a lot of bosses just I, like I gave a little bit of backstory during the talk as well, saying like people might think I had some noble reasons to found Lara Bus, but really all I was looking for was a friend. Like I wanted somebody I could relate to, somebody mm -hmm. who was at least in some aspects like me, whether it was a woman, a mother, older, because I only started learning when I was 36. So, you know, that like age was another factor, a Muslim, another factor. Like there are so many, I was just looking for somebody like me in some way that mm -hmm. could, that, that was doing there was a developer doing the thing that I wanted to do and to tell me that it's possible. So, because I couldn't find anyone. So that's why I found a lot of bells and very selfish reasons, I know. But it's working out. I think it's okay. <laughs> I think just having one person as an example, um, it doesn't have to be a lot of people to understand like, oh, that could be me. That avatar mm. to put your, yourself in their spot and say, yeah, that is something I could do. I don't think it takes a lot of people, just one. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, if if we don't know, it comes back to the title, you can't be who you can't see. Like, if you don't know all the things you could be and do because you've never been exposed to them, you might be missing out on a lot of things. So, I mean, I didn't, I said it wasn't just about gender. It was about all the other things. Like, mm -hmm. uh, remember there was Alpine JS conference day, I think back in 2021 that Caleb ran. And during that mm -hmm. conference, or during the, like, was it was online. During that, there was a talk by Jesse Shoot. I think I'm hope I'm saying his name right about how to carve a spoon. Like actually, he did carve. It was a tech conference, but it was a mm -hmm. talk about him with him carving a wooden spoon, which was like mind blowing. I was like, how many people saw that and thought to themselves, "Ooh, I want to give it a go," because like they never thought about it, and then they saw somebody doing it and said, "I want to try it." If they didn't see him doing it, like in such a place like during a tech conference of all places, they maybe never would have considered it. So I think that's all it comes down to that. If you don't see what you could be, what you could do, not just gender wise, but things like running and I don't know, building shed. I think Aaron built his shed in the garden, Aaron Francis and Matt, then Matt built a deck. Like these things, you know, people, if you, if you don't see these things, people doing these things, you might not even think to yourself, oh, I could, you know, maybe I could give it a go. So I just think the overall message is do the things you do and tell people you do them because you never know who, you, who you're going to inspire. So that's, that's all. And how is Portugal? I've never been oh, there. I'd love to go. It was, it was lovely. It was colder than I expected. It was sunny. Well, it was sunny. And one day it actually rained. And we made a joke that the English people came and broke the weather, like brought the horrible <laughs> weather with them, because apparently it doesn't rain very often in Lisbon. But one day on Thursday, it actually rained. <laughs> in fact, if you see some pictures like on Twitter that go, there was a Taylor and the team talk at the end of the first day. And you see like Taylor sitting and then all the other guys. And then there's this brown couch in the middle of the stage that nobody is sitting on. You're like, why is nobody sitting on the couch? Because the roof leaked a little bit. <laughs> it was like a puddle of water on that couch. <laughs> but if you don't know, it was funny. Like, there's these people sitting and there's this empty couch right in the middle. Why is nobody sitting on the couch? <laughs> but so, yeah, one day the weather was, it, it rained in the afternoon. But other than that, it was, it was great. It was very sunny, blue skies. 
cold, but mm. lovely. Thank you so much for bringing the weather. I was just going to say, <laughs> that was podcast. so seamless. <laughs> oh, what a yeah, professional podcaster. <laughs> I know. I know what I'm doing, obviously. <laughs> I feel like the weather report doesn't necessarily have to be where we are. No. Because, I mean, there it's a whole world of weather out there. You don't want to hear about Eau Claire, Wisconsin over and over and over. So I love that you started it off by mixing it up. The first weather report is from a place that none of us live. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one, yeah. Dave, I'd like to hear about your, your bone-shattering cold in the Northeast. And it is 61 degrees right now. Mm. Yes. What, what, is, what is happening? We opened the windows today. This is not, you know, we all knew global warming was coming. But that feels so abstract sometimes. Um, no, seriously. Uh, basically, aside from a handful of severely cold uh, snaps. So was it last weekend? We were, you know, I don't know. I woke up one morning and it was like minus eight. And <clears throat> which I know for Eau Claire, Wisconsin is, you know, that's an average Saturday. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, very cold, very windy. My poor, my poor dog, you know, we had to like bundle her up quite a bit to, yeah. to get her outside. And even still, she was like, nah, we just like went just a little reluctant. Yeah, it's like we did a little spin in the backyard and then came right back, right back inside. Aside from like a couple <laughs> random things like that, we've barely had any snow. Uh, it's routinely been in the 40s or even low 50s here this winter. This is highly unusual. Yeah. We're all like kind of not mad at it, but also just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like there's mm-hmm. a. There's a th- there's a two and a half foot of snow like storm coming in my future. I know it. There's no way we're escaping this winter. Yeah, and the but moment, it is only early February. It's only early Any, February. Anything can happen. It's only early February, but it's it's absurd. And I looked at the forecast for next week, and it's like, yeah, we're gonna have some days in the 50s, and it might 64 on Thursday. I'm like, what is what is happening here? What month is it? <laughs> what month is it? Yeah, exactly. Wow, we've got your cold. Like you've sent the cold over over here. Keep your cold to yourself, please. Like, we don't need that weather over here. Susanna, it seems like the weather in Cambridge is just cold enough to be beautiful, but, like, manageable. Is that a fair yeah. Is that a fair summary of Cambridge weather this winter? Yeah. I mean, this winter has been, like, surprisingly cold. Not throughout, so there are cold spells, and then it gets normal and then cold again. Yeah, I've never... So, was it a few weeks ago? There was minus, minus 7, minus 8 during the day. And that's like, I've never seen that. And I've been living in the UK for, what, 16, 17 years, and it's never been this cold. And even this week is quite cold. I think last few days was like minus two, minus three in the morning. That gets around zero. I'm talking Celsius, by the way. I've got a little calculator in front of me as you're you're throwing these numbers out. I'm doing the calculation. (laughs) I prepared a chart so I would have it (laughs) handy. I've got it both directions so I can go Fahrenheit to Celsius. Celsius to Fahrenheit. This is an international podcast. Yeah, so it's it's been very it's I mean it hasn't snowed once and because it was so cold it stayed for a bit like it didn't snow a lot a lot like you get like two centimeters on the ground, but because it was really cold it stayed for a bit. But it's just been cold. I don't mind it. I'd like I'd I'd rather it to be really cold but dry than mm-hmm. mild but wet. You know. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. I'll take just below the freezing point yeah. is so much better than just over with moisture. Suzanne, yeah. if you like dry and cold, you should really look into the northeastern United States, where aside from the past 30 days, um, the amount of the, the number of humidifiers I have running in my house at any given point starts to be a little ridiculous because it is so dry here. I never even thought of that. 
Because we never had to. It's like in England, we're not used to extreme weather, whether it's mm. extreme cold or hot. Like we don't do air conditioners. Like you will have them yeah. in the offices and, you know, public buildings, but not in homes. Not not normally. I'm sure people now starting to think about them. But mm. so in the summer, last summer was so hot. So it was like in the 40s. It was really hot. And these houses are not meant to protect you from the heat. If anything, <laughs> they're just going to lock it in. And the yeah. same in the winter, like everything would freeze the outside pipes would freeze everything was just a disaster because we the houses are not built for that they are not ready for extreme temperatures in any way so but then if you call you just go for a run you will warm up and you're fine yeah so you've been you keeping know. up with the running even though it's been cold oh yeah i actually oh. prefer the cold running than over hot because when you when it's hot you cannot do anything you just hot and you get even hotter if it's cold you get dressed and then you get warm and you can take layers off like you've got options when it's cold. When it's hot, you don't have options. <laughs> That's it. So I definitely prefer it cold. Cold mm. running is very good. Do you run, I either of you? I, I no. normally, um, my running story is so sad. I um, Well, so now Susanna, we have to hear it. Yeah, Susanna might know this. <laughs> I, I think I told, because I told people I tell you when this happened, but I don't know if you know this. When I went on my trip, I had an encounter with a camel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Explain this. Don't just leave it at that. Sure, you have to explain. Sure. So on our trip, we went to went to Cairo. You know, saw the saw the pyramids, saw the Sphinx. Jumped on a camel. Okay. So if you've never been on a camel, a couple things. I haven't you been know. on a camel. Okay. So have you same. been on a, Have you been on a horse? I have been on a horse. Yep. I've been on a horse too, and my brain just sort of did a quick like sub mental like substitution. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's going to be just like getting on a horse. I'm here to tell you, it's not like getting on a horse. It's not the height that does it. It's the width. And huh. basically, I uh, because I run, um, my hips and my hamstrings are tight. And I didn't think to myself, you know, I should stretch, which is a thing you definitely say. Before you get on the camel. As, that wasn't as, part of the orientation. As a, thir- as a 39-year-old who turns, <laughs> oh my God, I turned 40 a, a, a month from tomorrow. Um, as a 39-year-old, I was not thinking to myself, I should stretch. Really like... Nice deep stretch, you know, before I before I get on a camel. And so I tried to get up on the camel, and um, my 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 hips and my my hamstrings were just like, uh-uh. And so instead of a gradual, <laughs> graceful, instead it was more like a, and um, I I like popped some. I don't know. Basically, I like screwed my hip up. And so when I finally went to physical therapy. They told me I did it in all three dimensions, which is impressive, right? So it huh. was it was totally completely just out. Um, which is really great when it's day two of your right. seventeen so you day around the world. Around the world, basically. So I hop yes, I actually really did because you know, we went to lots of places where you need to take your shoes off before you go into these beautiful temples and churches, and it's all hard floor, right? So I'm sitting there walking around on a screwed up like lower back and hip. Hard floor, my little socks going around like crazy. And uh, I, I learned after a couple a couple of these trips, I was like, okay, so I need to load up on ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I came back and uh, was still in pain. And I went to physical therapy where they basically were like, yeah, you're just too tight. I was like, okay. So they, they gave me, you know, they worked with me and they gave me some stretches and things like that. And they, um, they got me to a point where they're like, yeah, you're good enough. And I was like... So, um, good for a enough. 39 year old, for you're 39 good year old, you're That's fine. about as good as we'd expect. You're fine. You're fine. Um, so I, um, 
you know, I do stretches every morning now trying to like get myself more limber and I'm working on my core strength. That's like my big like workout focus for the next couple months. Um, but because it's been so nice, I was like, it's been a couple months. I'm feeling good. Everything's been fine because I, I should, the thing that really got me to go to physical therapy was the fact that like, basically when I sat down, I was like, you know, the hip bone on my right side is like notably poking out more. Like it's like to the point where like when you're wearing jeans, you're like, this is not comfortable. Something's <laughs> when wrong. When you can see it from the outside. It's a that's problem. A problem. You and shouldn't so, notice your hips. So I was, you know, I got it. So I was feeling good. I was like, you know what? It's been, it's been two months since I had a real bad problem. It's been over a month since I stopped physical therapy. I'm doing stretches every day. I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to go for a, like a mile and a half run, just like a, cause I had that at this point I hadn't run since October. So I was like, I'm a little out of running shape. I was like, let me just go for a nice quick jog. It's beautiful weather. It was like 55 degrees outside. It's great. And I got a bit of mile in and just like a normal, like going off a curb into a street to cross the road. And I was just like, Oh, 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 oh. and then I, I, I sort of reached down and I was like, Oh, it's, it's out of, it's out of place again. So I can't even run a mile. At this point, without my without my my hip just being like, well, so the good news is yeah. I was like, OK, I walked the rest of the way home and I, you know, did lots of stretches that they taught me and everything else to mostly get it. So I'm mostly OK now. But did you have to go back in and face well, them and say, OK, so here's what happened? Well, no, <laughs> I mean, first of all, when I showed up, they were like, because, you know, it's a big game of telephone when you like you tell the person why you're there and then they write a note down and then who's in right. So the, everybody who I encountered was like. So you fell off a camel. It's like, God, I wish I fell off a camel <laughs> because a broken arm would heal. Right? right. What they're basically telling me is, well, you know, you're kind of tight and everything's wrong. So you need to like stop being so tight. And I was like, what does that even mean? Um, so running is not in my future right now. I can walk fast on a treadmill. I cannot go for runs, which is killing me. It's 61 degrees outside in February, which never happens. Mm. And I can't go for runs. Not happy about it, oh, Susanna. Not happy at all. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Don't go on a camel. I, That's what I just I wish I had the mental image of how you thought getting on the camel would go. And then <laughs> juxtapose it with yeah. how it went. Like, could we some... get a replay of here's yeah. how Dave thought he was going to climb on this camel and like gracefully, slowly walk away yeah. on the camel? And then here's what actually happened. I knew I was in trouble immediately because basically like my left leg, like you, I sort of got up on the left side and put the right leg over and like the right leg couldn't like basically, you know, like when you're on a horse, you know, like the leg, your legs kind of naturally, Susanna, no, Susanna's on a horse all the time. Your legs kind of naturally <laughs> kind of like drape on the side of the horse. This, yeah. but the, the camel is so wide that instead your legs kind of like go out sideways almost unless you are very flexible, which I am not. They should really have some sort of warning sign. Do you sit in an office chair all day uh do do not don't go on a camel don't go on a camel um <laughs> so i have a lot of work to do i'm probably going to start i stopped going to i stopped doing we stopped doing uh yoga during uh the pandemic we used to occasionally go to hot yoga classes which is a fantastic way to feel like you're going to die but also a great way to uh switch it up if all you normally do is run and go to the gym but i'm pretty sure i'm going to have to start doing some combination of yoga and Pilates to attempt to fix my back and my hips. And that's my future. Just loosen up. Just loosen up a little bit. You're just yeah, a little just, too tight. Just all, relax, won't you? Sure. Relax? I, you all know me. I relax so well. <laughs> oh, just that's relax. my camel. What story. about you, Ben? Do you run? I don't run. 
I have tried to become a runner a couple times, and I just never enjoyed it while I was doing it, and I never enjoyed it when I was done. Mm. And so I just decided, I don't think this is for me. Like, it's not type one fun. It's not type two fun. It's just not fun for me. So mm. I, I ride a mountain bike as often mm. as I can. Um, I actually started cross-country skiing or Nordic skiing oh, uh, okay. last year. And it's a little humiliating to learn a new physical activity <laughs> sure. as a grown man. Yeah. Um, which is really good for me because I'm really bad at it. And most of the things I like to do, like riding my bike, I've, I've been doing that my whole life. It's, it comes natural to me. Uh, but trying to make it through the woods and specifically make it down hills on skinny little Nordic skis after never skiing in my whole life. Like mm. I've water skied. I've never done any kind of alpine skiing. So that motion is not natural for me. Um, that's, it's a big learning curve, mm. uh, but it's something I can do outside in the winter time. Um, it's a pretty popular sport, this part of the world and I'm enjoying learning, but it is a little humbling for sure. Just embrace it. Just go with it. I think once you yeah. accept that you go, you are different from all the other ones, like young people who go down the slope so fast, like just, you know, embrace it. Don't feel I'm alone in the woods. What's the worst yeah. thing that can happen? Just like some random person sees me struggling <laughs> or someone sees me fall. Who cares? Yeah. That's yeah. a great way to be outside in the cold though. We were up yeah. um we were up in Vermont near uh Sugarbush, which is a pretty popular uh mountain to ski on up in Vermont. We were up at a big it was uh myself, Marissa, my wife, and sixteen uh members of her family. We rented a gigantic old bed a Vermont bed and breakfast. Uh, for the week between Christmas and New Year's, and all sorts of people were like, "Yeah, we're going to go skiing." Uh, I've never skied in my life, and uh, considering my recent adventures with, um, with the camel, camel, I was like, "It's like what you said. It's like you know, you know what I don't want to do is learn how to ski in front of my entire my wife's entire extended family." That sounded <laughs> terrible. You don't need to create a new family legend on your vacation. <laughs> like you can learn to ski by yourself. And a bunch of teenagers at some random ski hill sure. somewhere. Else. No, that's that's a good point, right? Because there are every every family has these stories, right? Like you know, from like when my my wife's sister got married, there was like the woman who jumped in the pool at the reception. Like there are always like shorthand stories. It didn't want to be, yeah. and then you know the time that the time that, that you know when that, Dave that, tried to learn how to ski. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, yeah. the time that Dave uh, slid face first for a quarter of a mile, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. <laughs> When Dave actually ripped his hip out of the socket, finally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did they have good snow up there then? Because I, I heard like, obviously in Connecticut, you're not getting anything. But no, some friends of mine anything. were out in Vermont and there's tons of snow. And I wasn't yeah. sure if it was like one storm or the whole winter's been good. Uh, There was definitely some snow when we were up there. But even when we were up there, it was weird because like all of a sudden it got to be like 35 degrees and kind of drizzly. And then everything got kind of muddy. So... Mm -hmm which they're not used to either. They're all, they're all looking around like, what, what is going on? What are we doing? There was still a little bit of snow on the ground, but it was like finally melting. Um, yeah. But it's amazing when you, like when we do the drive up to Vermont, once it's like, and now it, this just happens because of the change in elevation, but literally like almost immediately after going over the Vermont state line, all of a sudden you're going up a little bit more and it's just like snow. I'm assuming like this entire drive up through Connecticut and Massachusetts, no snow, because it's been a mild winter or whatever else. And then as soon as we get up there, snow instantly. It's like, I don't know. They've, what can I say, Vermont? It's beautiful. It's picturesque. Got some kind of, it is a beautiful place. Yeah. I've only been there in the summer a couple times, but so nice. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that wraps it up for our first episode of Cheese and Weather. This is really just the first half of our conversation. We had so much to talk about that we have a whole second separate episode waiting for you, hopefully right now in your podcast feed. Please go check it out. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but since it's our first episode, you know, rate us, review us, follow us on social media platforms, whatever you want to do. We would appreciate it if you spread the word. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.